0: Have you fallen behind on listening in to the Daily Audio Torah because the rush and the busyness of life is pressing in on you from every side? We all get busy, and the enemy wants nothing more than for us to get distracted and neglect spending time with Yeshua in prayer and in His Word. Can I share a secret with you that might help? It is about establishing a secret place. Yeshua reveals this secret to us when He said in Matthew 6-6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Let me break that down for you. First, we go into our room. The King James Version says to go into your closet. It can literally be a closet that you convert into your own secret place. It can be a corner in your bedroom with a special chair and a table where you sit. Next, we shut the door. We shut the door to distractions. We shut the door to tweets and texts and phone calls, TV and other media, and to the cell phone. We are shutting the door to the world, even if only for 20 minutes. Then... We spend time with Yeshua. It's like a date night with Him. He loves it when we take special time and a special place to meet with Him. He is the lover of our soul. And in that time and place, you can pour your heart and soul out to Him in prayer. I like to write down my prayers in a journal. And then when I am done pouring it all out, I pause, I listen, I wait upon the Lord. I wait to hear His still, small, quiet voice speaking to me, and then I write down what I hear. You can light a candle and put on some worship music and just worship Him. You can listen to and read the Word of God. The Word of God is living and powerful, and it is like a two-edged sword cutting between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit. Do you have a secret place where you can meet with your Master? If not, Why not create a special place where you can spend time with Him, and then go there to meet with Him often? And I encourage you to listen to Daily Audio Torah each day. The plumb line of truth will keep you on track and on target. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayeshev, and it means, And He Settled. Genesis 37, 12-22 Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready! And I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? he asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are, pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, Let's go on down to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him but Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. Amos 7, 1-9, 15 The Sovereign Lord showed me Amos a vision. I saw him preparing to send a vast swarm of locusts over the land. This was after the king's share had been harvested from the fields, and as the main crop was coming up. In my vision, the locusts ate every green plant in sight. Then I said, O sovereign Lord, please forgive us, or we will not survive, for Israel is so small. So the Lord relented from this plan. I will not do it, he said. Then the sovereign Lord showed me another vision. I saw him preparing to punish his people with a great fire. The fire had burned up the depths of the sea and was devouring the entire land. Then I said, O Sovereign Lord, please stop, or we will not survive, for Israel is so small. Then the Lord relented from this plan, too. I will not do that either, said the Sovereign Lord. Then He showed me another vision. I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built using a plumb line. He was using a plumb line to see if it was still straight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? I answered, A plumb line. And the Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore all their sins. The pagan shrines of your ancestors will be ruined, and the temples of Israel will be destroyed. I will bring the dynasty of King Jeroboam to a sudden end. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is hatching a plot against you right here on your very doorstep. What he is saying is intolerable. He is saying Jeroboam will soon be killed and the people of Israel will be sent away into exile. Then Amaziah sent orders to Amos, Get out of here, you prophet. Go on back to the land of Judah and earn your living by prophesying there. Don't bother us with your prophecies here in Bethel. This is the king's sanctuary and the national place of worship. But Amos replied, I'm not a professional prophet, and I was never trained to be one. I'm just a shepherd, and I take care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord called me away from my flock and told me, go and prophesy to my people in Israel. Now then, listen to this message from the Lord. You say, Don't prophesy against Israel. Stop preaching against my people. But this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in this city, and your sons and daughters will be killed. Your land will be divided up, and you yourself will die in a foreign land, and the people of Israel will certainly become captives in exile far from their homeland. Then the Sovereign Lord showed me another vision, In it I saw a basket filled with ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? he asked. I replied, A basket full of ripe fruit. Then the Lord said, Like this fruit, Israel is ripe for punishment. I will not delay their punishment again. In that day the singing in the temple will turn to wailing. Dead bodies will be scattered everywhere. They will be carried out of the city in silence. I, the Sovereign Lord... Have spoken. Listen to this, you who rob the poor and trample the needy. You can't wait for the Sabbath day to be over and the religious festivals to end so you can get back to cheating the helpless. You measure out grain with dishonest measures and cheat the buyer with dishonest scales. And you mix the grain you sell with chaff swept from the floor. Then you enslave poor people for one piece of silver or a pair of sandals. Now the Lord has sworn this oath by His own name, the pride of Israel. I will never forget the wicked things you have done. The earth will tremble for your deeds, and everyone will mourn. The ground will rise like the Nile River at flood time. It will heave up and then sink again. In that day, says the Sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth while it is still day. I will turn your celebrations into times of mourning and your singing into weeping. You will wear funeral clothes and shave your heads to show your sorrow, as if your only son had died. How very bitter that day will be! The time is surely coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Beautiful girls and strong young men will grow faint in that day, thirsting for the Lord's word and those who swear by the shameful idols of Samaria, who take oaths in the name of the God of Dan, and make vows in the name of the God of Beersheba, they will all fall down, never to rise again. Then I saw a vision of the Lord standing beside the altar. He said, Strike the tops of the temple columns, so that the foundation will shake. Bring down the roof on the heads of the people below. I will kill with the sword those who survive. No one will escape. Even if they dig down to the place of the dead, I will reach down and pull them up, even if they climb up into the heavens. I will bring them down, even if they hide at the very top of Mount Carmel. I will search them out and capture them, even if they hide at the bottom of the ocean. I will send the sea serpent after them to bite them. Even if their enemies drive them into exile, I will command the sword to kill them there. I am determined to bring disaster upon them and not to help them. The Lord, the Lord of Heaven's armies, Yahweh Saviot, touches the land and it melts, and all its people mourn. The ground rises like the Nile River at flood time, and then it sinks again. The Lord's home reaches up to the heavens, while its foundation is on the earth." He draws up water from the oceans and pours it down as rain on the land. The Lord is his name. Are you Israelites more important to me than the Ethiopians? asks the Lord. I brought Israel out of Egypt, but I also brought the Philistines from Crete and led the Arameans out of Ker. I, the Sovereign Lord, am watching this sinful nation of Israel. I will destroy it from the face of the earth." But I will never completely destroy the family of Israel, says the Lord. For I will give the command and will shake Israel along with the other nations, as grain is shaken in a sieve, yet not one true kernel will be lost. But all the sinners will die by the sword, all those who say nothing bad will happen to us. In that day I will restore the fallen house of David." I will repair its damaged walls, and from the ruins I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. And Israel will possess what is left of Edom, and all the nations I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken, and he will do these things. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and grapes will grow faster. Then they can be harvested, when the terraced vineyards on the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. I will bring my exiled people of Israel back from distant lands, and they will rebuild their ruined cities and live in them again. They will plant vineyards and gardens. They will eat crops and drink their wine. I will firmly plant them there in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. Revelation 3, 7-22 Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews, but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it and I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing and you don't realize that you are wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness, and ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and, and understand what he is saying to the churches. Psalm 131, 1-3 Lord, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty, I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, now and always. Proverbs 29.23 Pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. I want to speak to you today from the book of Amos, and then we're going to jump into Revelation chapter 3. And I just want to uh, hit the rewind button a little bit and read the introduction to the book of Amos, and this comes from The Israel Bible. The You can also go to their website, theisraelbible.com, and, and find it there. So the third book of Tre Asar, Sefer Amos, contains some of the strongest calls for social justice in the Bible, and indeed in all of human history. Like his contemporaries, um, Hosea and Isaiah, Micah and Amos, they prophesied in the middle of the 8th century B.C. in the generation preceding the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel at the hands of Assyria in 722 B.C., This was the period of Jehoram too, whose rule represented the last era of stability and prosperity the kingdom of Israel enjoyed before its descent into instability and eventual dissolution. The superscription to his book mentions that he prophesied two years before the earthquake. Excavations at Hazor have uncovered evidence of a major earthquake that caused extensive damage to the region in the year 760 B.C. Amos describes himself both as a shepherd and as a tender of sycamore figs. Accordingly, his prophecies often draw their metaphors from nature. Though he himself is wealthy, he is especially sympathetic to the plight of the working-class farmers— who find themselves paying full tribute to the ruling functionaries in the capital and to the shrine at Bethel, even when suffering from drought, plague, and famine. They were compelled to take out heavy loans to continue farming, and their clothes and their children are taken as pledges to secure their debts. The book contains three main sections— The first two chapters state that just as other nations courted disaster through their failure to behave morally, Israel will not escape a similar fate. The next four chapters wrestle with the people's claim that their prosperity is evidence of God's favor. The final three chapters describe in clear detail the prophet's visions of the disasters that await the people should they refuse to heed his warning and repent. So I just want to emphasize once again, just as the book of Hosea was particularly written to the northern kingdom, also called the house of Israel, this is also true of the book of Amos. The book of Amos, his audience, his target audience that he's talking to and writing to and prophesying to is the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of the north, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. And he's warning them that if they do not repent, they're going to be taken into captivity and into exile. And that literally does happen. In 722 BC, Assyria comes in and invades and captures the northern kingdom and takes the people into exile. So, though his message was to a people then of that time, his message is extremely relevant today. Because we are the descendants of the house of Israel. We are spiritually their descendants. We are not Jewish. There may be some of you listening who are Jewish. And so this, the, you're the exception. But if you're not Jewish, this book is written to the non-Jewish believers, the God of Israel. And it's a warning that if they don't repent... They're going to be greatly judged, and they're going to become captives. So let's just dig in. In chapter 7, verse 9, it says, The pagan shrines of your ancestors will be ruined, and the temples of Israel will be destroyed. I will bring the dynasty of King Jeroboam to a sudden end. So there's your marker. That that's who he's talking to, the northern kingdom. King Jeroboam was the leader of the northern kingdom. King Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, was the leader of the house of Judah, the southern kingdom, also known as the Jews. So he's warning, he's saying the dynasty of King Jeroboam will come to a sudden end. Then let's jump down in chapter 7, verse 14. I'm just a shepherd, and I take care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord called me away from my flock and told me, Go and prophesy to my people in Israel. So this tells us more about who he is. He's not a religious man. He's a shepherd, and he tends trees, sycamore trees and fig trees. He goes on to say in verse 17 This is what the Lord says Your wife will become a prostitute in the city, and your sons and daughters will be killed, your land will be divided up, and you yourself will die in a foreign land. And the people of Israel will certainly become captives in exile far from their homeland. And this literally did happen in 722 BC when Assyria invaded and conquered the northern kingdom and took the people into exile to assyria so he he's got strong words and he's talking about how in verse 7 or chapter 7 verse or chapter 8 chapter 8 verse 6 he's talking to the religious leaders of the day And he says, you measure out grain with dishonest measures and you cheat the buyer with dishonest scales. You mix the grain you sell with chaff swept on the floor. And then you enslave poor people for one piece of silver or a pair of sandals. So, you know, the poor farmers that are trying to pay their taxes, they would indenture one of their children or sell off some of their own personal property to pay those taxes so that they could afford to continue farming. And does that sound familiar to what's going on today? With incredibly high inflation, high food prices, high gas prices, and then we still have to pay taxes, very high taxes to the government. And where are the taxes going? Well, we recently learned in bombshell news reports that uh, government taxpayer money that was sent off to Ukraine Ukraine then invested that money in FTX, and then FTX then shipped a lot of that money right back into the pockets of Democrats for their war chest to help them with their reelections in 2022. So that's incredibly corrupt to think that your taxes and my taxes followed that pathway. And it goes on to say in in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, the time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And so we're not hearing the pure, unadulterated word of God very much from the pulpits these days. They're not speaking out and, and proclaiming the word and speaking out against the corruption and uh, what's going on in our culture around us. So you can hear the father's anger coming forth through this vessel, this prophet Amos. God is very angry with the people, the northern kingdom, the house of Israel back then. And I I, I just think that He's also can be very angry with the wickedness and the corruption and the evil that's going on in our world today. But it's not just in the world. It's not just, you know, those politicians, those Democrats, those deep state globalists. But God also begins his judgment in the house of God. He starts with us. He starts with you and me. And it's time for us to get cleaned up. It's time for us to repent. It's time for us to seek the Lord with all our heart, and to repent of any lukewarmness, to repent of any indifference or apathy, to repent of our sleepiness, that we get sleepy, we get comfortable, and we get busy, and and we don't make the Lord a priority in our life. Now, in chapter 9, verse 8, it says, I, the Sovereign Lord, am watching this sinful nation of Israel. I will destroy it from the face of the earth, but I will never completely destroy the family of Israel, says the Lord. For I will give the command and will shake Israel along with the other nations as grain is shaken in a sieve, yet not one true kernel will be lost. So there's a great shaking that's I think, occurring right now amongst the nations. We're in the midst of shaking. And it began in 2020 when the pandemic started. And, and then it continued when the bioweapon experimental use gene therapy poison shot began to roll out the door. And now we're in a shaking of our economy with high inflation which is really hurting people's budgets. And it's, it's being a struggle just to keep a roof over our head and to keep meals on the table. So the shaking is happening now. And yet he promises he will never completely destroy the family of Israel. Not one true colonel will be lost. And so here's a beautiful, beautiful picture, prophecy and a promise. He continues on in Amos chapter 9. Verses 1 and 2. In that day, I will restore the fallen tents of David. I will repair its damaged walls. Let me just hit the pause button. Before David became king in Jerusalem, he he was established in Shiloh or Shiloh. And there he set up a tabernacle, a tent. And in that tent, he had 24-7 worship ongoing prayer and worship harp and bowl worship and this was at shiloh and there were people who were professional they they were paid to be the singers and to be the musicians and to to be involved with the worship that was offered up at this place and it was 24-7 worship and in fact the very model of the international house of prayer ihop in Kansas City, and the many, many other houses of prayer that have been established all over the world, including at least three in Jerusalem. Sukkot Halal, and then uh, another one up in a very tall building up on the top floor. I don't remember the name of it. And then another one. And then there's many others throughout the nations. These houses of prayer. It's modeled after David's tent. David's Tabernacle. In fact, there's a whole ministry called David's Tent um, that's based in Washington, D.C., but they travel all over the country and they go to the capital city of each state and they set up David's Tent and they do harp and bowl worship. So he's talking here in this verse, he's going to restore the fallen tent of David and I will repair its damaged walls. So, what does that really mean? What's that talking about? How did What is David's tent and what made it fall and how will it be re-resurrected? Re David's tent fell when the kingdom split occurred between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And when uh, the northern kingdom left in 1 Kings chapter 12, their very words were, See to your own tents, O David. See to your own tents, O David. That's when David's tent fell. Now, when you think about it, when you go camping, if you have an old-fashioned tent, you're not in an RV or a motorhome, and you have to erect your tent and raise the tent, you have poles and then you have a canvas or a nylon tent. And um, many years ago, I was going camping and I had loaned out my little dome tent to my son and then he returned it to me. So then I packed it up and I went off camping. And when I arrived at my campsite, And got the tent out to set it up. I realized that there were no poles. I had a tent with no poles. And I could not raise the tent. So I had to drive all the way back to town. And you know, they don't sell poles only. You have to buy a whole new tent. They don't sell just the poles. So I had to buy a whole new tent. So what good is a tent without poles? What good are poles without the tent? You need the two for it to work as a tent. And so similarly, we have a northern kingdom, the house of Israel, and a southern kingdom, the house of Judah. And perhaps you could say that the house of Judah, the southern kingdom, they're the poles. And perhaps you could say that the tent, the canvas material or the nylon material, that that's the northern kingdom. And when you bring them together, tent and poles together, the tent can be raised. It can be raised up and it can be functional it can operate you can now raise up that tent and inhabit it and fill it up with praise and worship and so when when the i believe when this david's tent is restored it's when the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom the breach is healed and repaired when the two kingdoms come back together as one united kingdom under one king that would be king yeshua That's when the tent will be restored. And so this uh, verse, let me continue. From the ruins, I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. And Israel will possess what is left of Edom and all the nations I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken and he will do these things. Now, it's a future thing. In that day, I will restore the fallen tent of david okay and so i've given you an understanding of what does that mean it's the healing of the breach it's the coming together and the reuniting of all 12 tribes and this is expanded upon in verse 4 i will bring my exiled people of israel this is not the jews this is the northern kingdom the 10 tribes of the north Remember, the whole book is is being spoken to the northern kingdom, to the house of Israel. I will bring my exiled people of Israel, that's you and me, unless you happen to be Jewish, back from distant lands, and they will rebuild their ruined cities and live in them again. They will plant vineyards and gardens. They will eat their crops and drink their wine. I will firmly plant them there in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord. This is talking about the greater exodus, that there's a day coming when the great tribulation begins, when the mark of the beast is fully deployed, and we cannot participate in that, that when we see the mark of the beast fully deployed, that's a big sign. This is the beginning of the great tribulation. It lasts not for seven years. It lasts for 42 months, three and a half years, 1260 days. And so God is promising, I'm going to bring my exiled people, the ones that were sent off into Assyria and got absorbed and assimilated and forgot who they were. And then from there, they went to all the nations of the earth. I will bring my exiled people of Israel back from distant lands. That would mean Asia, Europe, Australia, Japan, Africa, Europe, North America, South America, from the ends of the earth, from distant lands, and they will rebuild their ruined cities and live in them. They'll plant vineyards and gardens, and they will eat their crops and drink their wine. Now, a beachhead has been established. So if you visit Israel and you go into biblical, the biblical heartland of Israel, the Shomron or Samaria, and few large tours ever go there, but a few do. And you go up to uh, the Hayovel base where volunteers come and they come from all the nations, from all denominations, and they help to pick grapes from the vineyards. And those grapes produce world-class wine. And their website is hayovel.com, H-A-Y-O-V-E-L, hayovel.com. They've been there about maybe 12, 15 years. They are a beachhead. Now, that encampment where they are, they're just above the ancient city of Shechem. Shechem is where Joseph's bones are buried. They're in a tomb in Shechem. Now, Shechem has been taken over by the Palestinians, and they renamed the city from Shechem to Nablus. Jews are not allowed to go into Shechem, into Nablus, on pain of death. It's posted with a big red sign if you're jewish don't go any further down this road on pain of death but that's where joseph's bones are laid shechem was the basically the capital city of the northern kingdom it's in the very heartland of israel so these people who come to the hayovel base and who are helping to harvest the grapes to produce this world-class wine. They are fulfilling biblical prophecy in this verse that I just read. It says, they will plant vineyards and gardens. They will eat their crops and drink their wine. I will firmly plant them there in their own land and they will never again be uprooted. They've established a beachhead and they have great, great favor with the Jews because they're coming with hearts and hands of service and love to serve the Jewish farmer, to bless the Jewish farmers, and to help them harvest these grapes. So that's an awesome thing. And if you ever get a chance to go there and serve as a volunteer, I just really, it, it's an incredible, wonderful experience. The website is hayovel, ve lcom Now I want to jump into Revelation chapter 3. And in this chapter, starting in verse 7, it's the letter to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. And so this is the one church that doesn't get any sort of a rebuke or a correction from the Lord. Basically, the Lord says to them, You have the key of David, and what he opens no one can close. What he closes no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I've opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. And it sounds like they have had a lot of um, pushback, persecution even, from a synagogue of Satan. I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet and they will acknowledge that you are the ones i love because you've obeyed my command to persevere i will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world so in other words it sounds like this this group of people this church they went through a testing before the great testing Before the great tribulation, they already went through a severe testing and they passed the test. And so because they passed the test of that season of testing, then when the great tribulation occurs, uh, where the whole world is tested, God is promising them that I'm going to protect you from this great time of testing that comes upon the whole world. They will be protected. Now, what that looks like, I don't know. It doesn't really give us the details, but it's a promise that they're going to be protected from the testing. So, um, know this, that whenever you go through a test, a trial, whenever you go through a trial, ask yourself the question, Father, this looks like a test. What is this test about What do I need to learn in this test? And please help me pass it. Now, the test could be about forgiving. Someone who's greatly harmed you, hurt you, uh, sinned against you. It may be a test about, are you going to choose to forgive? The test may be about, um, are you going to trust God? You know, you you lost your job. Income is gone. Are you going to trust God that he's going to provide? The test may be about, any number of things so ask him lord what is this test about what am i what do i need to learn in this trial and help me to pass this test because if we don't get it you know he's going to just send yet another trial another test until we pass the test so There's a wonderful, wonderful promise here given to the Church of Philadelphia, verse 12, chapter Revelation 3, verse 12. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. Wow. To be able to live in the temple of God and to be a pillar. Wow. What an honor. What an incredible honor. So what that implies is that there may be those who are allowed to come in and visit, but then they have to leave. Perhaps they're allowed in once a week on Shabbat. And then, you know, when Shabbat is over, you got to leave. But there's going to be those who are allowed to live there all the time. I want to be part of the Church of Philadelphia. How about you? So, Father, I just pray right now that you will give us fortitude and strength and perseverance to endure through the tests and the trials that many of us are going through. Um, I just pray that we will cling to you and look to you and that you say in your word, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And sometimes, Lord, waiting upon you can be really hard. It's very, very tempting to take matters in our own hands and to just push through on our own, in our own efforts, and our own strength, in our own flesh. But the real test is to endure and persevere and to wait upon you, for you to orchestrate circumstances, for you to open doors. And so, Father, I pray you will give each and every one listening fortitude and strength, endurance and perseverance. And faith, increase our faith to trust you and to wait upon you. May we be a part of the Church of Philadelphia. May we walk in love and in obedience. And may we endure the persecution and the trials that are upon this earth. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Give